him. I just love him. I love his spirit. And I love that when we began to sing, we declare the testimony in him was so strong that he came forward and he stood by himself over here in the front and made his declarations to God. I love that about you, Joshi. I love that. Um, God is so faithful. We have the wonderful privilege of moving into the parables today. And when I think about the parables, I think about how much God must love us because he gave us stories that we could understand. Instead, of, he could have spoken in Godese and he could have said, you know, he, he could have given us some lofty ideas that we couldn't give our, get our minds around. But instead, he gave us stories to teach us principles, to teach us truths about who he is. And he brought it to our level and he told them in such a way that you can feel it and I can feel it and we can understand and relate. And so we're getting ready to enter into a series on the parables of Christ, the greatest stories ever told, truly. And I hope, my prayer is that you would engage, that you would listen to the stories and that they would do what God has designed them to do. They'll hit you on one level, but then he wants to take you to another level in them and give you greater understanding and open these up because God, to me, Jesus, people ask me, well, like Diane Henderson last week, she said, are you preaching next week, Barbie? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. I'm teaching. And she said, well, that all depends on how close you get to my toes. So, but see, my heart, I want more than anything in the world to be a teacher because Jesus was a teacher. And I so love the way that he taught. My heart is to teach. And, and so today I want to join my heart with his. And let's tell you a few stories and let's talk about these parables so Jesus can teach us something. Amen. Let's get into the word. Very short passage of scripture. Okay. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you, Father, that your word has a pulse. I thank you, Father, that you're releasing it in this room. And, Father, I pray that our spirits would respond appropriately, God, to your truth, to the the heartbeat of God released through his word. Father, you said that we could ask you for a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, and that's what I ask for this morning. Father, that we would have wisdom and that you would reveal your heart to us, that we would grab hold of it, knowing that your word always accomplishes what you send it to do. Father, let my stuff fall and your stand, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you are visiting today, we are so glad you are here and that you survived the worship service. It's, a, it's an honor to have you, and for you regulars, thanks for coming back. You know, we really do appreciate it. We hope you feel at home. We hope you feel welcome here. Um, this is this is truly my home. I walked by Pastor Ronnie's office one evening, and and I said, "Aren't you aren't you ever going to go home?" And he said, "I am home." And I thought, "That's the truth. That's the truth." Uh, this may this become your home. May this become your home. Um, may it be more than just a building that you come to. The lost coin. 
This parable on the surface has um, a lot to commend it. There, I mean, all, I love all of the parables, and we can take them all at face value if we choose to in the absolute truth in them. But then I believe like everything in the Word of God, there are layers. I believe in God there are always layers. There's always more. As deep as you want to go, He'll allow you to go. I believe our relationship with Christ is completely... Um, I believe that we are each at the place in Christ that we have chosen to be. Because I believe in Him there's always more and the invitation is always there. So we can make that choice to move a little bit deeper. And so I had taught on the lost coin a couple of times in classes previous. And so when it came up, I thought, great, I won't have to study. <laughs> That's just the truth. I mean, I'm like, okay, Lord, I've taught this a couple of times. I can do that. And, but then he does what he always does to me. And he said, what if you looked at it this way? And I went, well, if I look at it that way, that's going to require me to study, God. <laughs> and he's like, bingo. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we'll do things your way. Um, and so the lost coin on the surface and, and all the way through, truly, it is talking, it is a, um, a bit of a story and a revelation on to how the kingdom responds, what our response should be when someone is lost, what our response to be, what Jesus' response is when there's someone who is lost. And it... Uh, the whole thing plays out in what would happen, what the sequence of events would be, what would be appropriate when there's something, someone that is lost, and the response of heaven when that which is lost is found. And But then the way that the Lord began to explain it to me just went a little bit, I mean, it's consistent, but it's just a different direction. When she had ten coins, and she lost one coin, to us today, that, that's a little bit... Coins just don't hold a lot of value for us unless we are a coin collector and have some of them that are worth a lot of money. Coins don't hold a lot of value for us in that particular sense. I mean, literally, I have been standing behind people or walking, um, you know, behind people and, and them have change fall out of their pocket or out of their wallet or something like that. And all they do is this. To say, I guess, if the denomination is worth bending the knee... And then they turn and they just keep going. And I'm thinking, how hard is it to bend your knee to retrieve that which was lost? And I wonder in our lives, how many times if we would just bend our knee, would we retrieve that which we've lost? I'm done. <laughs> Ooh, that was an easy one. <laughs> but I thought, okay, God, we've got to make it valuable. Because to us, a coin is not valuable. And God said, okay, first, let's look at what it meant to her. And then we might be able to determine what the coin might be in our own lives. What was it to her? In those days, if she had 10 silver coins, that was not one day's wage. That was over a long period of time she had earned that money. So this money that she would have been entrusted with to have lost something, it says, it makes, I love that it makes it seem like, well, there's no question. Of course she would do this in order to find it, you know. So I'm like thinking, okay, what was it to her? And, and number one, it was, it spoke of liability. It spoke of responsibility and accountability for that which she had been entrusted. And sometimes it is so hard for us to understand that we truly are accountable, we are responsible. 
We are liable for those things with which God has entrusted us. They aren't just pretty packaging. They aren't just gifts and things that, we're, that we throw out at will and things that, oh, if it's convenient, I'll use this. Or if it's convenient or something, I'll dust it off and use it. The things that God has given us, we have a certain degree, high degree of liability, responsibility and accountability for those things. She must have felt that to go, I'm li- I had those coins. What did I do with it? So the degree of liability, the second thing that she would have, that would have been wrapped up in those coins would have been her labor, the work of her hands. It would have been what she had invested her life in. Understand you might hold paper bills in your wallet, but really it's a representation of your life because you have poured out hours and hours and hours of your life to stick that paper in your wallet or that card in your wallet. It represented the labor of her hands what she was investing her time in. And I think sometimes we need to pay close attention to our personal spiritual investments. And the third thing that it would have represented for her and that I believe these things represent for us is the level at which she and her household would live. Those things that she had been entrusted with, in this case, the coins, would represent her personal level of accountability and responsibility, liability. It would represent the things that she invested her life in, the work of her hands, and it would represent the level at which she and those in her household would live. And I just want to propose to you for a moment that the things that God gives us, the things that he entrusts us with, affect all of those, affect all of those areas of our life. And when we let them fall away, when we lose them through negligence or through weariness or inattentiveness or whatever the case may be, when we lose or don't maintain and care for those things with which we have been entrusted, our level of living decreases. The things, the joy in the labor of our hands decreases. Our sense of personal accountability to God and to our fellow Christians, to fellow man, it changes because we operate at a different level. And so the the way that I see this is our only choice is if we have lost something, we have to go get it back. We have to go get it back. Now, some of you already know when I say, what have you lost? Watch the coin that you laid down. What is that thing that you should have been accountable for? You should have been taking care of and nurturing and watching over. What is that thing that you let fall away? What is your coin today? What is of value to you that you went? What is it? Because I believe we've got something for some of us. And this, I had a conversation in between services and I thought, that's it, God. That is probably 75% of the people in this room. This is it. Your, your coin is your passion for God. You used to be so on fire for him. You used to couldn't wait to get in the word or, or tell somebody about him. And, and you were passionate and you were expectant when you walked into this place and, and, and you desired to be close to him, your private time with him, your personal closet time with him. And you're going, God, I, I remember when. See, there shouldn't be a better day in Christ than there is today. There shouldn't be good old days in Christ. These should be those. 
These should be the days in Christ every day. He says he moves us from glory to glory to glory. And I just wonder if perhaps the one of the coins that have been lost in your life and, and, and many of our lives is your passion for him. I know for myself, sometimes you don't realize you've lost something. I read a quote this week and I just loved it. It said, she did not know the weight of it until she felt its freedom. And sometimes we don't know until we get on the other side of it. And sometimes God will point it out. Sometimes we don't know anything's missing. You feel kind of different, but you just can't quite put your finger on it and you don't really know what's missing. And God, in his grace, will point it out to us. Sometimes he points it out beautifully. I'm a firm believer that sometimes God will give us a field of flowers to show us something. And if we walk by the field of flowers often enough without noticing, he'll bring on the chiggers. I hear people say, oh, God's not that tough. Really? Who were all those people that used to live around Noah and his family? Really? (laughs) Maybe God's just really comfortable with me or something. (laughs) Because he can get his point across. He can get his point across. One of the ways he gets me is, and I'm just going to use this as an example, because sometimes we need examples. We'll go with a parable of Barbie. (laughs) I had a dream. I had this dream, and in my dream... um, I was getting ready to walk out my front door, and I had this child, this little toddler with me, and oh my gosh, just beautiful little toddler, just chubby, red cheeks, curly hair, I'm real partial to that, just just precious and full of life and vibrant, and we're smiling, and we're getting ready to step across that threshold, and I got that feeling that parents get sometimes, like, it's the you look to see if the kid's still in the car seat. You know, it's just that, that feeling like you forgot something very important. And I had this panic that hit me in my spirit. Just, I knew that something was wrong. I knew that something was wrong. And standing in that, on that threshold, standing in that doorway, I remembered that I had another child. And when I remembered that I had that child, I just, everything in me just, just, panicked. And I turned around and I went running back through the house and I ran to the back of the house to the back bedroom. And in the back corner of that back bedroom, it was dark. The windows were, uh, the curtains were drawn and there was this playpen. And in this playpen was this lifeless, starving, sad, pitiful, bony child. And when I saw that child, I ran over there to it and I just dropped. I grabbed the child out of the the playpen and I dropped to my knees and I began to go, God, I am so sorry. God, I am so sorry. And I was holding that child and I was rocking that child and I was apologizing to the child and I was repenting to God. I am so sorry. And I woke up in the middle of the night just bawling. Just just squalling, as my granny would say, in that bed, just crying, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. I could not get the image out of my mind, and I couldn't get the feel of that little bony body out of my spirit. And so I just begin to, in my spirit, go, God, show me. 
God, I don't know what this is, but God, I know that this was from you. Because, I mean, we have dreams sometimes and it's just what we ate before bed. But then there are dreams that you know, that you know was God. And I'm going, God, show me because I don't know. And I carried that and I asked him and carried it and asked and carried it and asked. And I didn't get my answer till I walked into a conference. And I walked into this conference and they began into praise and worship. And when they did, the, the spirit of the Lord just, just descended and the roof felt like it was going to come off. And like that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, the child is worship. He didn't go, you remember that dream you had two months ago? And you remember, no preamble, nothing. He just went, the child is worship. And when he said that, I hit my knees again and I began to cry. And what flashed through my spirit was from the time I was a child with a little tiny upright piano, me and my three sisters, we would take turns. My poor mama, I don't know how she did it. We had this little old upright piano in our living room and we would take turns on who got to sit at the piano because we were teaching ourselves. And that flashed through my mind, sitting during my 30 minutes for the piano, just hitting the low key and the high key and the low key and the high Loki in the hockey. I was very talented, and uh, and and I, I was thinking from his. I mean, standing in my dad's church singing. Uh, I can remember him yelling from the, in the back of the little church. Barbara, get up here. We're going to sing a song. And I would go up and I would sing. We'd sing uh, "Born Again," "Free from Sin." I'm happy night and day. It makes me shout. There's no doubt. I know I'm born again. And this progression just went through my spirit all the way from the the little upright piano all the way up into my prayer closet, up to standing in the the old ministry center over here leading praise and worship. And I went, God, what did I do? God, what did I do? I let my worship die. And I thought, you know what? From the time Pastor Ronnie, let's blame him. Um, From the time Pastor Ronnie, in his spirit, he felt like it was time to call me up in the area of teaching. And from the time he called me and said, I want you to teach, everything about my focus went into the word. Everything went into studying because I was scared to death. But everything went into my studying. And I thought, thought, well, God, then you must be finished with this because I only have time for this now. And I divorced an old anointing from a new anointing when what God wanted to do was marry the two and make something more. And see, a lot of times we leave our old anointings and we think it's a childish work or we think it's something that, oh, that's what God did then. What if you brought it forward? How much richer, how much fuller. And so what God did, he said, when he said the child is worship, he said, now I want you to feed that child. Feed that child. And I only knew one way to feed that child. And so for a few months, what I would do, this is, I'm just going to take you there with me. Because we got to begin to feed the child. And I would just gather upstairs. And I would say,
begin to worship him and I could feel that worship coming alive in me again that hunger to be in his presence in quiet places just to worship him because he birthed that again and so what I want to share with you briefly is if you have lost something in him if you have let go of something, you have pushed it to the side either purposely or thought he was through with it, whatever the case may be, I'm going to give you some steps to begin to grab hold of it. And it's consistent with what this passage of scripture says. It says the first thing she did. Oh, Jesus. Father, awaken us. Awaken us, Father. Stir our spirits, God. Father, let the dust begin to, to move, Father God. Father, we're going for the corners in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. The first thing it says is that does she not light a lamp? Does she not light a lamp? The word that is used here literally means to kindle to flame, to set fire. It Actually, it means to attach fire to something. You want to find something? Set it on fire. It's easier to find. The word is hapto, and it means to literally set it aflame again. Set it aflame. It says, bring it into light. How do you do that? The very first thing you're going to have to do is to bring it to light. Light a lamp. That's the first thing on your outline there. Light a lamp. What does that mean? That means I go and I tell somebody, I lost it. I lost my passion for God. I lost my desire to teach. I lost my ability to sing. I lost whatever it might be, those things that you've kept hidden and you've chosen not to think about. What if it's your spiritual dignity? What if you've lost your testimony? What if something has attached itself to you and you no longer feel like you can can stand forward with your testimony? Go tell somebody, somebody that you trust. I believe I lost this. Bring it into the light. God brings things into the light so that we can deal with them. That's the first thing. Bring it to light. Tell somebody. Tell an elder. Tell an elder. Will you pray with me because I have lost dot, dot, dot. Bring it into the light. The second thing it says that she does is that she sweeps the house. The word used here is suro. Suro, and it is the, I love this word because this word is place specific. So it literally tells you where to sweep. I love that. (laughs) I love that. I was sharing with early service, one of the worst prophecies that were ever spoken over my life. Don't you love those? One of the the ones that made me go, no. You ever had somebody speak something over your life and you just go, (gasps) well, that's what this one was, but it was true. You know, and they said, they said, you are, and it, <laughs> you are going to be known as a temple sweeper. And I said, no, no, wherever you go, there is going to be dust stirred up. And I'm like, God, I'm sure that was for the person beside me because God, you know, I don't like dust. God, you don't, you know, I don't like getting in, into, into anything that's not my business. 
That is not my nature. But God's going, there's a purpose in all of it. And the things that God asks us to do, there's purpose in. I mean, and, and now I have come to go, God, what's in the corners? I want to know what's in the corners. You sweep. And now the thing about it is, like I said, it's place specific. Because see, sometimes we lose things. You know, we start out, I think, I think there's a place in us especially in kids and as we begin to grow up, there's a place in us and we are, there's an innocence to us. There's a purity to us. There's a hope in us, an expectancy that's in us. You know, we, we are that proverbial wide-eyed child, you know, going into the world. And then we run into some miry clay. We run into this thing called world cares, and sin issues, and somewhere in that miry clay, we come out on the other side of it, but some of our stuff stuck back there. Some of our purity, some of our innocence, some of our beauty, some of our hope, some of our childlikeness gets stuck in that stuff behind us. And that's what I love about this word, because suru means to sweep specifically places of bondage, Places of bondage, places where judgment has been pronounced over you. How many have been judged? How many have been hurt by words that said, you're this, you're that? Places like that, that's somewhere where where your gifts stick. That's somewhere where those things begin to be removed in the miry clay. Judgment, imprisonment. Places where you have felt trapped in relationships, in in walks, in whatever the case may be, imprisonment and places of punishment, places of bondage, places of judgment, places of imprisonment and places of punishment. That's where you need to look for what you've lost. That's where you need to look. If you lose your keys, do you not retrace your steps, what you did yesterday? Go, where did I? I went here and I had them. I went here and I had them. I went here and I had them. Same thing with this. Lord, I had my joy. God, I had a passion for you. I had it here and I had it here. And then I don't remember having it after this point. This is where you sweep. These are the places that you look for that which you've lost. Amen. And so get specific and begin to sweep diligently. And it says in in the connotation of this is to be willing to stir up the dirt. Be willing to stir up the dirt. (laughs) I was thinking, okay, I have this little thing and some of y'all are not going to like this very much. But when we try to get our cat to come in and move out of the garage, all I have to do is reach on the wall and grab the leaf blower. Because the noise freaks her out. And we have a cat door. You know, we don't want to open the garage and her take off. So if you just flip that switch on the, on the, the garage, on the uh, leaf blower, the noise she'll go flying through the cat door. I love it. <laughs> hey, you raise your kids your way and I'll raise mine mine. <laughs> but I, was, I went to the garage to pick up the leaf blower and I was going to go through the house into the out onto the front porch to blow <laughs> blow off the front porch. And the girl was like, <gasps> I mean, she took off. She could not find an exit quick enough. What does this have to do with anything? <laughs> oh, I got it. You got to be willing to make a mess. You know, I was just, 
I, I love her response to that, but you know that we got to be willing to get in the corners and clean things up, even if it stirs up the people around us a little bit, you know, <laughs> that's such a random story. Oh my gosh. I'm going to hear from the ASPCA. I'm sorry, but you got to sweep. You got to sweep. You got to get in the corners and you got to look in those places where you left the good stuff. Where you left your joy, your peace, your, your passion for God. And a lot of times, if you've lost your passion for God, you want me to tell you where you need to look? In works. In busyness. In God's house. You leave it because you get busy with the stuff of God and forget about God himself. Anyways. So, you light a lamp. You sweep. And then the third thing you do, according to this scripture, is they tell you search it out with the intent of not stopping until you find it. See, sometimes we want to put in a little effort. And I looked for it. I couldn't find it. That is not this. This is the CSI search. This is who is your cousin on the second side who has brown hair This is the detailed search. This is where it literally means use your mind. Think about it. Think about what's going on. Think about what you've lost. Ponder this thing. Think about it. Use your mind. Use your body. Physically get involved in searching after that thing that you've lost. Invest. That's what, when I began to go play the piano, when I began to spend hours doing that, that was my way of searching it out. That was my way of bringing it to life. That was pondering how did I lose it and worshiping him and trying to ensure that I don't lose it again. Search it out. Mind, body, soul, spirit engaged in the search with the full intent of finding, with the purpose of finding. I love that. It says it's a search that has a conclusion. It's a search that has a conclusion that you find what you're looking for. And I believe we can do that. And see, the awesome thing is, that's exactly what the progression in the spirit, in the scripture shows, because it says she, she lit a lamp, she swept the room, and she searched diligently until she found it. And when she found it, it didn't say if she found it, this is what she would do. It says when she finds it, what does she do? She testifies. She calls out. It says she calls her friends. She calls... She calls her friends. She testifies. Man, I wish testimony would come back in the church. I just really wish testimony would come back in the church. And, and not just the simple testimony of I'm just happy to be here because I heard a lot of those. But the testimony of going, you are not going to believe what God did for me. You will not believe what God has done. And that's what she did. She, she began to call out. She began to testify. And then she had another response. And the response was after she called her friends and she told them, this is what got, what was lost is now found. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. I want to rejoice with you over the things that, that you go, I didn't know that that was missing. But now that I've found it, you won't believe the difference that it's made. And allow us to rejoice with you in its finding. My prayer is that all of those who have said passion, I've lost my passion for God. I want to see the evidence of when you find it. 
I want to see it played out in your face, on your countenance, in this room, with your neighbors, everything. The return of passion. The Lord gave me an example, and I've shared it back a while ago. I'm not sure when. I was saying, I don't know how Pastor Ronnie does it, because sometimes you don't know when you shared something, who you shared it with. (laughs) You know, did you write it? Was it in a blog? Did you share it in a class? Did you share it from the platform? But I trust that this is where God would have us go. So if you've heard it, I love you guys, so listen, Um, because this is the progression. I was in my living room back a while ago, a few years ago, and and I happened to walk past the front window, and when I looked out, I could see a commotion in the neighborhood. I could see people starting to gather in the street. I could see people starting to come out of their houses, and a little bit of scurrying, and a little bit of look of panic on people's faces, and I thought, okay, this may be something that I need to know about. You know, not watching a ton of television, I'm thinking, okay, I don't hear any sirens. <laughs> you know, I don't hear, and I took off out the back door, and I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I could hear him say that there's a little boy, he's two, and he lived like two doors down and just around the corner. He's gone. He's missing. We can't find him. And so all of these parents just begin to run. They just took off. I mean, calling and, and running in every direction. And I started to run with some of them, and I heard the Holy Spirit in my spirit say, no, go this way. And so I thought, okay, that doesn't make any sense because there are fences there. That doesn't make any sense. But I took off that direction, and I took off into the back of another subdivision, and it was a wooded area, and and I was running, and all the parents are calling out. They're calling his name and trying to get him to answer, and there's nothing. And so you can hear a lot of voices and a lot of rustling going on. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, stop, because I was just running back there, just, just looking, just running. They said, stop and listen. And so I stopped where I was. And when I got real quiet, even with the noises going on around me, I could hear this. I could hear... And I began to follow that sound. And I got to this fence and I looked up and over the fence. And here's this little two-year-old boy. And he's got, he's standing on the edge of a swimming pool. And he's got his t-shirt off. And he's got his little blue jeans pushed down to his high tops. And he's got a diaper on. And he's pushing. And what I'm hearing in the, <laughs> is him trying to shove his jeans <laughs> over his high tops. And the whole time, he's on the edge of the pool doing this. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. And he's pushing those little things. And I'm thinking, okay, I can't yell at him because if I yell at him, it's going to scare him. And so I thought if he got in there, then I can get in there. And I went around and I was watching him the whole time. I went around until I found a little break in the fence. And when I found a break in the fence, I walked in there and I went, hey, buddy. (laughs) What you doing? <laughs> you know, trying not, what are you doing over there? And he's just pushing, looking at me like, don't you come near me. <laughs> and I walked over to him, you know, just talking and talking. And then I leaned down and I put my arms around him and I went, sorry, going, I got him! I got him over here! <laughs> you know, I got him! And uh, everybody, you could hear, just begin to cry out, she's got him! She's got him! She's got him over here! You know, and the baby's just like, 
And they all come running. And they all come running. And that mom is grabbing that baby boy. You know, and everybody's like, they found him. He's okay. He's okay. And we rejoiced together because that which was lost was found. And see, that's what I want here. I want you, when you find what you're looking for, I want you to go, I got it, so that we can come running and rejoice with you. And when you find what you've been looking for, I want you to cry out, I found it, so we can come and rejoice with you because that is what the body of Christ does. That's what we do. We mourn together. We laugh together, we search together, and we find together. Amen? Let's worship the Lord for a minute. Can I have some prayer warriors and a a little bit of music? I would really love to, to sing when all is said and done, if you wouldn't mind. Because I know that I know that I know there are some of you who are sitting there going, I know what it is, I know when I lost it, and I want it back. I want it back. And so as we begin to sing, we're just going to worship a little bit. I want you to come and let's, first I want you to bring it to light. I want you to look at the person who's praying with you and go, this is what I've lost. And then I want them to pray with you that you would be determined to sweep and to search until the point in time that we can rejoice with you in its finding. Amen. Amen. So Father, Holy God, precious Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, I ask that you saturate this room, Father. Tender our hearts, Father. Prepare us for the searching, God. And Father, I pray that we determine today to go and get our stuff back, God. I pray, Father, that each one who has suffered loss, who has left it by the wayside, an anointing, a calling, a passion, a desire, a dream, God, that they would come and they would purpose to find that coin. In Jesus' name.